Welcome, welcome, welcome into Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by students for you. My name is Peter Roman, and over the next hour, I'll be going through some of the biggest moments in the world of sports and playing some great music along the way. My show today is very full because I didn't have a show last week considering that it was Thanksgiving weekend, and so here we are. I have a whole lot to talk about. My music today... My last show was 90s music, and so this week it'll be 80s music, and then the week after that I'm going to be doing 70s music, so all kinds of stuff that you can look forward to in the musical department. Anyway, my show today, I know normally I start with the Mount Royal Cougars soccer teams and recapping their season. The regular season's over. Playoff game is this Saturday, October 26th at 3 p.m. here at Mount Royal. I know I normally start with them. I'm not going to, and that's because my the thing I pushed into my lead segment is kind of very important and personal to me. So that will still be in my show. It'll just be a little later on. I'm also going to preview the Canadian Championship Final between Cavalry FC and Forge FC. Also takes place this Saturday. It's a two-legged affair, though, so there's one game this Saturday, and then the next game will be November 2nd. And, of course, NFL Week 6 and Week 7 also have to get to a whole lot of that. But I'm going to start with international football, and that's because there was a lot that happened, specifically in Europe and North America. And I'll get to Canada's story in just a minute here, because Canada did get a massively historic victory, but I have to start with one of my countries, and that's Finland. So for those of you who might not know, my mom was born in Finland, my dad was born in Chile, and so, and I was born in Canada. So those are kind of my three countries, is Chile, Finland, Canada. Those are the countries that I support and that I love for so many different reasons. And the Finnish men's soccer team is on the verge of doing something unbelievably historic. Like, I'm talking all-time great type of achievement. So... A little background for why this is this is significant for those who might not know, and even Finns who might not know, who might not follow the team that much, because to be completely honest, the Finnish national team has always kind of been an afterthought for so much of my life, where they have never qualified for a major international tournament in their existence. They've never qualified for a World Cup. They've never qualified for the European Championships. They've been at the Olympics a few times, but the Olympics in soccer is not the same as the Olympics in other sports because the Olympics in soccer is always, it's been more of a youth tournament. Like it's not a best versus best type of situation. And so because you don't have a best on best format, you know, it's not considered, quote, as legitimate as what the European championships have been and what the World Cup is. So Finland's never qualified for a major international tournament. And again, because the Olympics don't really count that much. And even the Olympics too, Finland's qualified a few times. Their best finish was in 1912. They finished fourth place. 1912. So, I mean, yeah, <laughs> really long time coming. Anyway, their situation right now is amazing. So the way the European qualifiers work for the Euros is that there are 10 groups, and each group has five or six teams. The top two teams from every single group qualify automatically for the European Championships this summer. Finland's group right now, Italy sit first place. They've won every single game and have just, you know, easily the best team in the group. Finland sits second place, though. And they, they need to be second place, at least, to qualify. Armenia and Bosnia-Herzegovina are the other two teams in the group. They sit tied for third on 10 points right now. Finland has 15. And so there's two games left for every single team. If Finland win their next match or one of or their one of their final two remaining games, I should say, they will qualify for the first time ever to the European Championships. And it's just crazy to think about. I never thought I would see this in my lifetime. I really didn't think it would happen. It's unbelievable. I love this team so much. And 
I love my countries and I've gotten to see so many great historical moments from my countries. But soccer has always been my favorite sport and watching Chile winning the Copa America in 2015 for the first time ever because they hadn't won it in 99 years. That was unbelievably special. And I know it's not the same thing because Finland don't get a trophy for qualifying for a tournament. But for them, it feels, to me, it feels almost the same as far as I think I would be just as happy seeing Finland qualify as I did Chile winning the Copa America. Because it feels very similar as far as how unbelievably historic, how unbelievably brilliant it might be. And so, I mean, I don't even think I need to justify how much a win would mean for Finnish soccer just in general, because when you have countries achieving something truly extraordinary, it can really change the sport forever in the country. And I look at Canada with what just happened at the U.S. Open with Bianca Andreescu winning the first ever, she's the first ever Canadian to win a singles Grand Slam tournament. She is going to change tennis forever in this country. Finland qualifying would change soccer forever in that country in a way that just is remarkable to think about. It really is. And the reason why I'm so excited is because I know that they haven't qualified yet, but Finland's next game is November 15th, 7 p.m. local time in Helsinki. Their opponent is Liechtenstein. Liechtenstein is currently last place in the group. They haven't won a single match. Finland beat them earlier in qualifying away from home. And so November 15th, Helsinki is going to be a fortress. Like Turku, where Finland played their most recent game when they beat Armenia 3 to nothing, that place was absolutely nuts. And you know an atmosphere is good when you can feel it through your television set. And I felt the Finnish fans, the Finnish atmosphere, everything. They love this team. I love this team. And, I mean, this would be something unbelievably incredible. And Finland, if they can do this, if they can get the win and qualify, they'll be producing a moment of genius that their country will remember forever. Okay, I'll get to the other European qualifier stuff very quickly here. I just wanted to talk about that just because, for me, it's so powerful what they're doing right now for my favorite sport in one of my countries that hasn't seen soccer success before. But anyway, there were other games that took place. And specifically, I'm looking at Group B because Ukraine have a really cool story too. Ukraine has qualified a few times, but they've never really, like, they've kind of always been a team that qualifies, but, you know, will struggle a little bit to get out of the group stage, stuff like that. They might not this year. Ukraine, to me, is a legitimate dark horse for the Euros. They've already qualified. They won their group first place, and they beat Portugal to do it. Portugal's one of the contenders, in my eyes, to win the whole thing, and they beat them 2-1 to one in qualifying. So... Massive props to Ukraine. I think they're a team to watch out for. As far as some of the other storylines from some of the groups, Group D is probably the closest right now. Republic of Ireland, Denmark, and Switzerland sit with 12, 12, and 11 points respectively. So it is razor thin in that group as far as who will get to qualify automatically and who might have to hope for a playoff berth. And then in Group H, we have Iceland, who are probably on the outside looking in, which is really sad because they were the best story at Euro 2016, but they're probably going to have to qualify through a playoff because Turkey and France have pulled away, and Turkey getting a tie with France has, has them right now in first place in that group. So, a whole lot of European qualifier stuff. It was, it was a really fun international break. And then there was Team Canada, which I know I'm kind of putting a little on the back burner, but they had a historic win too. Canada played the United States in the CONCACAF Nations League this past international break, 
And they won. They beat the U.S. for the first time in 34 years, which is, again, historic, amazing, brilliant, unbelievable, every adjective you want. And the game, like, they deserved it 100%. And I think that was the most impressive thing. It's not that Canada eked out a win. No, they thoroughly deserved that victory over the United States. Alfonso Davies, I mean, what can I say about that guy? He is an amazing player, unbelievable. And when he's not played a defense like he was in the Gold Cup, he's pretty fantastic. So I think Canada has so much to look forward to on the soccer side because that's a big win. That is a massive win, not for the Nations League stuff. Nations League is kind of irrelevant, but it's about World Cup qualifying. See, Canada need as many points as possible in order to qualify for the hexagonal, which is very simply put the final six. It's not quite like that, but it's pretty much like that. So if Canada can qualify for the hex, then they will be playing the best teams for automatic spots at the World Cup in Qatar, which is good because even if they don't qualify automatically, they'd be playing Mexico, they'd be playing Costa Rica, they'd be, play they'd be playing the United States, they'd be playing Honduras, They'd be playing the best teams in the region on a regular basis, which means their young players can continue to improve every single day. Anyway, that's it. That's all I got. International football was so much fun to just watch this past couple of weeks. And again, November 15th, I'm going to be very excited because it'll be a chance at history for Finland to qualify for the first time ever. Coming up in my next segment, I will recap NFL Week 6 and 7, where as much as I was praising my countries in this segment, I'm going to be criticizing my NFL team in the next one because let's just say there was a less than ideal result this past Sunday night. Anyway, my first song of the day is going to be Bon Jovi, with living on a prayer. New year, new lineup. CMRU.ca has new shows just for you. From retro to your favorite meme songs. Tune in here at CMRU.ca. By students, for you.
cmru.ca. By students, for you. Welcome back to Moments of Genius here on cmru.ca by students for you. I'm into my second segment of the day, and that is recapping NFL Week 6 and 7, considering I was off last week for Thanksgiving Monday. So, yeah, uh, Sunday Night Football was not fun for me. In fact, it was very sad and very much cover your face in embarrassment type of sad. So, I'll get started. Storyline number one. My Eagles are kind of in crisis. Yeah, this is not not at all how I would have drawn it up by any means. Now, granted, I will say first, Dallas were more than deserving winners on Sunday night for their win. Dallas played pretty well. I mean, aside from an injury to Leighton Vander Esch, there's not a whole lot that didn't go right for them in the game, and they were fully they fully earned their win. So credit to Dallas. I'll give that first. Now my team. So Jordan Howard played all right. 11 carries, 50 yards. Not bad. All right. Um, not a whole lot else. There was a whole lot of nothing from my team. The offense looked good for about one drive, and that was about it. The defense looked, for, looked good for about one drive, and that was about it. Dallas won this game 37-10, to 10, and my Eagles are in a lot of trouble right now. They are in a lot of trouble. It's an, the season's far from over. I'm not saying the season's over. But they're 3-4. and four. They now trail Dallas in the division with a worse record in the division, which is important for tiebreakers. And their schedule isn't exactly great or kind to my team for the next little while. Just because, well, they have the Buffalo Bills coming up who aren't maybe the best team on earth, but they certainly have a more than worthy defense, cap- more than capable of stopping the Eagles' offense. And then, well, there's the Chicago Bears, who are kind of in a similar position right now, so who knows? Although the Bears also have a spectacular defense. And then there's the New England Patriots, who might be the best team in the NFL right now. I would still call them that anyway. So, yeah, Those are the next three games. And the offense, I mean, sometimes looks good. But for some reason, my team feels insistent on being so generous that we're going to be like, hey, you know what, other team? We're going to let you have at least a 10-point lead. Why? Because we can't start games. Like last night was just, oh, so embarrassing. So bad. Dallas Goddard. First drive of the game, fumble, and then Dallas go and score immediately. And so, you know, okay, it was a mistake, right? Um, And then the second drive happened, and Demarcus Lawrence strip sack Carson Wentz. And immediately, my hopes and dreams, my optimism just came plummeting down. Because it happened again. This stat blows my mind, but... In six out of the seven games this season for the Philadelphia Eagles, at one point in the game, the other team has had a 10-point lead. Think about that. Six out of seven games, they've spotted the other team a 10-point lead. They're like, yeah, you know what? We're just going to let you have a 10-point lead. Like, what? Come on. Come on. You can't expect to start... If you start games... And just play like utter garbage. And then decide later in the game, you know what? Maybe let's not play like a big stinking pile of garbage. That doesn't always work because you dig yourself a grave, right? If you start digging a grave and then decide halfway through, oh yeah, wait, maybe I should stop digging my own grave. Well, too bad. You're already halfway there. It's going to be harder to get out of it. This is what the Eagles are doing every single week. They just decide, yeah, you know what? I'm going to dig my own grave and then stop halfway and try to get out of it. And it's worked sometimes. Against Green Bay, it worked, which was a good win. Against Dallas, it didn't. In fact, it got worse. Against Minnesota, they tried and failed because the secondary is super injured. I think right now there has to be some kind of change. 
because that was flat out unacceptable. That was flat out embarrassing. This team got completely humiliated on national television, under the lights, primetime division game against Dallas. They got straight up humiliated. And so I think there has to be some kind of change that has to be made. Some kind of, like, I never like saying that someone should lose their job because it's always hard to say that. But whether it's a defensive back coach or a wide receiver coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, there needs to be some kind of change, I think, in the coaching staff minimum. I would also like to see Howie Roseman, the general manager of the Philadelphia Eagles, I would love to see him make a trade. And it doesn't have to be this big, spectacular, blockbuster trade. But even if you just make kind of a small trade, right? Like bring in, I don't know, just a depth corner or something. Or bring in a depth linebacker with the injuries we have there. Or a pass rusher. I don't know. If you just make a small trade, that could bring some energy, bring some holy crap, we can't play like this to the locker room. And I think more than making a trade for making a trade, it's making a trade for a message, if that makes sense. And that's, I think, the biggest thing with the Eagles right now, making a trade to send a message. So, yeah, my team's not out of it by any means, but I'm a little fearful of what New England might do in a few weeks because... For Eagles fans, last year against the Saints was bad when they got like obliterated. I think it was like 55 to 10. It could be something similar when we play New England. So basically, my message stop it. I'm quoting ESPN's football coverage, but stop it. Stop playing and stop digging your own grave. That's kind of my biggest message to the Philadelphia Eagles. Anyway, I'll move on. There were other stuff that happened. So. My second storyline, the Chiefs might win their division by default. Kansas City suffered a horrific injury on Thursday night when Patrick Mahomes, their superstar quarterback, did a quarterback sneak and his already injured leg got worse because he ended up with a dislocated kneecap and now he is out for three to five weeks. The good news is that their division is not very good, so I think Kansas City will probably be okay even without Mahomes in the fold because Oakland got obliterated by Green Bay this week and so they sit at 3 and 3 and the LA Chargers find a way to lose in a way that only the LA Chargers can. And so they're like 2 and 5 and Denver has one win on the season. So I think Kansas City is probably okay. The only thing this injury really does is it makes it almost the certainty that they won't be a number one seed in the AFC, which means if they want to go to the Super Bowl, they're going to have to go to New England in order to get there. So we'll have to wait and see on that. But that's kind of the only real implication of this injury, in my opinion. Storyline number three, the 49ers are legit. And you know what's funny? I actually wrote this after week six, and then week seven happened, and I thought about changing it because they won 9 nothing against Washington. Although, that game was basically the slip-and-slide bowl, because for anyone who didn't watch that game, just imagine what a slip-and-slide is, and then imagine that on a whole bunch of dirty grass, and there's your, there's your field. That was the field, and it was a grind. Neither team threw the ball, like, at all. And San Francisco won by field goals. They won 9-0. So, yeah. I mean, the reason why I put my storyline where it was was because they handedly beat the LA Rams. And they're still undefeated. I think San Francisco is pretty legit. And to be honest, if my team, the Eagles, don't make the Super Bowl, I would love to see San Francisco play New England. Because... Tom Brady would be playing his disciple. So that would be really cool to see. Anyway, storyline number four. The 2015 QB class is real bad. So this wasn't that long ago, 2015. But this QB class, like, 
Most of them aren't in the league anymore, and the ones that are, they're busts. I'm talking specifically the number one and number two overall picks in that draft, Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston. Now, granted, Mar neither one played this week, and for different reasons. Uh, Tampa Bay was on a bye, so they didn't play. But the week before, in London, Jameis Winston had himself a dandy five turnovers. I mean, yeah, it was pretty brutal, not gonna lie. And then Marcus Mariota in week six got benched for Ryan Tannehill, the guy who Miami was desperate to get rid of this offseason. And I mean, Tannehill's not a bad quarterback, but he's kind of a backup quarterback. And that's kind of my whole point of this storyline is that Mariota and Winston aren't necessarily bad NFL QBs. They're bad starting NFL QBs. And so I think Winston and Mariota will 100% have jobs. But it's going to be a backup job. It's not going to be a starting job after this season. And finally, storyline number five, Sean Payton is the coach of the year. I know a lot of people want to give it to Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, but has anyone really done more with less than Sean Payton, who lost Drew Brees, his superstar quarterback, and Teddy Bridgewater came in, they're undefeated with Bridgewater under center. They lose Alvin Kamara yesterday against Chicago, their superstar running back. Oh no, they put up 36 points. This is really something. And I mean, Sean Payton has always been one of the best coaches in the NFL. But to me, he is the clear front runner for coach of the year at this very moment. Anyway, those are my five storylines. That's all I got. Coming up in my next segment, I'll preview the Canadian Championship Final Cavalry FC versus Forge FC. And then in my final segment of the day, I will go through the Mount Royal Cougars playoff game this weekend and recap their regular seasons for the soccer teams. My next song in my music break, I have Sweet Dreams Are Made of This. CMRU.ca. Bye, students. For you.
Shuffling through all your old music is boring. Experience the new world of radio from Mount Royal University. CMRU.ca broadcasts online 24-7. 365. And talk it up like, yeah. CMRU.ca by students for you. Welcome back to Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by students for you. My name is Peter Oman, and in the second half hour of my show, I'll be going through the Canadian Championship Final and as well previewing the Mount Royal Cougars playoff game this weekend here at Mount Royal Field. So the Canadian Championship Final is here. I know I haven't talked a ton about the Canadian Premier League on my radio show, but that's mostly just because... I like talking about the the highest level of sporting competitions more than I like talking about some of the other stuff. But this is kind of a big deal. It's the final. And I do I do like the local Canadian Premier League. I do like it. I don't follow it maybe as much as some of the other leagues, but I certainly do like to watch. And especially since the local team here in Calgary, Cavalry FC, they've been the best team in the league so far. So here's a little bit of a rundown for those who might not be quite as familiar. So the final, it's taken, it's taking place, I should say, over two legs. And so it's similar to what the UEFA Champions League uses as far as like knockout stage games. The Champions League doesn't do a two-legged final, but kind of similar in that sense. So the first leg is October 26th, this Saturday, at 1.30 here in Calgary, 3.30 local in Hamilton, because Forge is Hamilton's team. And so that's the first leg. And then the second leg is November 2nd, also a Saturday, in Calgary at Spruce Meadows. Again, 1.30 start here in Calgary. So those are the two games. And it takes place over two legs, I think just for kind of a fairness perspective because it's a little hard with a debutante league to have a one-off final in a neutral venue and expect people to show up on a regular basis for it so we have cavalry hosting the second leg forward hosting the first leg and the reason why that's kind of significant has to do with the tiebreaker so the way aggregate works is there's two games and it's the combined score of both games whoever has the most goals wins the game if there's a tie, though, then it goes down to tiebreaker. The first tiebreaker is away goals. So, just as an example, if Cavalry won one nothing against Forge in the first game, but then lost 2-1 to one in the second game, they would lose on away goals because Forge would have scored two goals in Calgary versus Cavalry scoring one goal in Hamilton, if that kind of makes sense. So... That's basically the format of the final this year. It should be really fun. Another interesting wrinkle, actually. If the game is straight up tied, so let's say Cavalry win 1-0 in the first game, and then they lose 1-0 in the second game, it goes straight to penalties. There's no extra time, which I think is interesting. So should be a whole lot of fun. I'm actually going to be there at the final, so that will be a whole ton of fun on November 2nd. And I'll definitely be talking about that in a couple of weeks. But... Previewing this game. So Cavalry and Forge, these are the best two teams in the league. They've been the best two teams all season long. Cavalry did win both the spring and fall split. The Canadian Premier League did something a little weird where they basically had, instead of one giant league table, it was two league tables. So they had the spring league and the fall league. Which, I mean, when you think about it, they kind of ended up with similar results. But anyway, the discussion of the format's kind of something for a different time or more for the Canadian football podcast that I do as well with my friend Conrad here in the program. We do Canadian football podcast called 100% Canadian Nutmeg. We talk a lot more about that stuff. Anyway, previewing the final, back to the game. So Cavalry and Forge both kind of have interesting selection choices. So Forge play a quote-unquote 4-3-3, that in all reality is a 4-2-3-1. Every time I've watched Forge, I mean, it might be a 4-3-3 in name, but it doesn't actually play like that because you end up with a midfielder drifting way too forward in order for it to be a 4-3-3 because you end up with a midfielder playing really high, and so they kind of make a front four, 
And then you have one player kind of in more of a box-to-box midfield role. And finally, another player in more of a defensive midfield position. So that's just kind of how it looks in practice. Obviously, Forge's key man to keep an eye on, Tristan Borges. He has terrorized defenses in the Canadian Premier League. He has scored against every single team in the league, including Cavalry, and is one of the leading candidates for season MVP. He's also currently tied at the top for most goals in the league as well. Cavalry have been a lot more unpredictable, and that has a lot to do with their coach, Tommy Wielden Jr., because he likes changing up his, his style a lot. He likes changing up his... And I shouldn't say style, actually. I should say formation. He likes changing his formation a lot. I've seen him play everything from the super old school 2-3-2-3 to a 4-2-3-1 that he's played more recently against Forge to even playing 3-4-3s on a regular basis like he did against Montreal. So that's kind of the big wild card. I think Tommy Wilden Jr. tends to change his team a lot. And so... Because of that, it's a little harder to predict who he's going to start. But assuming he plays the 4-2-3-1 that he's played more recently against Forge, his lineup, there's some there's some obvious players. Dominic Sator has been arguably the best defender in the entire league. He's been incredible, so dangerous from set pieces. He is a definite starter on the team. The only question is in what position. Sator is one of those players you can play anywhere in the defensive line. And so that's so handy to have. If I had to guess, I'd guess he plays at right back. But there is the possibility that he does end up starting at center back as well. In midfield, you have Adekube and Julian Boucher, who are probably starting as the holding midfielders. And that has to do with the fact that Nick Ledgerwood is doubtful. He suffered a concussion for Cavalry, and so he's not expected to play. Up front... Nico Pasquati has to start, and that's a few reasons. Number one, he's a great player. Number two, he has a throw-in that's equivalent to a cannon. Because if you have that player on your team, by the way, if you're playing soccer, and you have a player who can throw it in from your from the sideline all the way into the box, it's basically like having a corner taker. Like, it's so helpful to have that player on your team. And Nico Pasquati is the player on this team where... He can throw it in from the sideline all the way to the edge of the 18-yard box on the other side of the field. He has a tremendous throw-in. Dominic Malanga left with an injury in the final game against Edmonton. Assuming he's healthy, he'll start. And then you got Jordan Brown, who I think may have played his way into a starting role, especially with the spectacular goal he scored against Edmonton to finish off the season. And then you have Escalante, Minatel, and Camargo, who could all reasonably start for this team. But as to who will get the start in Hamilton, who will get the start in Calgary, we're not quite sure yet. So we'll have to wait and see. The other big notable, I think, for this game is just Forge have some suspensions. See, one of their defenders, Samuel, he's going to be suspended for the second leg in Calgary. And one of their starting center backs, Woundy, he's suspended for the first leg in Hamilton. So that could certainly hurt their chances of trying to keep clean sheets in both games. Ultimately, prediction, and this was the same one I made on the Canadian Football Podcast, but basically, I think it's going to be 2-1 for Forge at home. 2-1 for Cavalry at home, and Cavalry win on penalties. That's my prediction. So I hope I'm right because that would be so fun to watch. Kind of stressful, but I love watching penalty shootouts. They are so much fun, and I really hope that this ends up being an epic finale to what has been, in my eyes, a very successful first season of the Canadian Premier League. Anyway, that's it. That's all I got on the preview for Cavalry versus Forge, leg one this Saturday in Hamilton. Coming up, I will do my MRU Cougars segment, like I promised, the entire show. I'll recap 
the women's and men's regular season for the soccer teams and then give a little bit of a preview to the playoff game this Saturday at 3 p.m. at Mount Royal. For right now, I just have two songs in this music break. The first one, Rick Springfield and Jesse's Girl. And the second one is Duran Duran with Hungry Like the Wolf. Brendan here, and I'll be taking it's you through Tuesday, my show. It's Tuesday, and it's 9 o'clock, and you know what time Welcome it is. Welcome to the show. My name is Cody Millage. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Hopefully everybody. I hope you had a way better weekend than I did. I was stuck. New music, new talent, new name. CMRU.ca. My students, for you. Jesse is a friend. Yeah, I know he's been a good friend of mine. Lately something's changed, it ain't hard to define Jesse's got himself a girl and I want to make her mine And she's watching him with those eyes And she's loving with that body, I just know it And he's holding her in his arms late, late at night Start talking cute I want to tell her that I love her But the point is probably moot Cause she's watching him with those eyes And she's loving him with that body I just know it And he's holding her in his arms Late, late at night
You're listening to Mount Royal University's CMRU.ca, by students for you. Welcome back to Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca, by students for you. My final segment of the day, I'm going to be previewing the Mount Royal Cougars playoff game and recapping the regular seasons for the men's and women's teams now that those have come to a close. So I'll start with the women's team. Got, got their first couple wins of the season, so bravo to them for doing that. They beat Lethbridge 1-0 on the Saturday two weeks ago. And then, unfortunately, they lost the return game the following day against Lethbridge. They closed up the season with a good win against Winnipeg, but it was a little too little too late type of idea. Mount Royal finished two points out of a playoff spot as Lethbridge clinched the final playoff berth. So, obviously that's disappointing and you know, you you never want to have a season end like that, but they did get some wins. They scored some goals in the final few games they had of the season. So, at least there are positive steps from where they were at the beginning of the year, which I think is good. But obviously, you know, you always want to make the playoffs. You don't ever want to miss out. And so, always next year type of type of mentality. It just, it wasn't their year. And that happens sometimes. It just wasn't their year. And that's okay. They've made the playoffs several times in the program history. And so, I expect that they'll be able to bounce back and go right back in next season. Anyway, to the men's team. So... They didn't have a ton to play for, if I'm completely honest, for their remaining games. They drew with Alberta in the ma- in the makeup game after that really cold blizzard that canceled their game, which I was a little bit fortunate for. I didn't want to be outside in that weather again. So anyway, they drew Alberta 1-1 in the rematch, and then they lost 1-0 to Calgary to end the season. Although, if I'm totally honest, that team looked a little bit rotated as far as the lineup was concerned. But, of course, like I said, the men's team didn't have a ton to play for, and that's just because they had already secured first place in the Prairie Division by that point. It still doesn't... It still kind of sucks they lost to Calgary, just because there's the rivalry there. But in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't mean a whole lot. So I think that's my biggest takeaway there. But now, finally, we have an opponent for the Mount Royal Cougars in their playoff game this Saturday, 3 p.m. at Mount Royal Field, Stadium Field. It's kind of at the, I want to say, what's the easiest way to describe where the field is? Basically behind the rec center. If you go behind the rec center, you'll see the soccer field. That's kind of where it is. Anyway, they will be playing Thompson Rivers University in their quarterfinal game. Thompson Rivers clinched their playoff spot on the final day of the regular season. They needed a win, and they needed a a Fraser Valley loss to UBC, which they got. And so that clinched their spot into the fourth and final spot from the Pacific Division. So Mount Royal will be hosting Thompson Rivers on Saturday. Thompson Rivers, they've actually already played each other once this season, that game was won by Mount Royal 2 to 1 on the day. In that game, I mean, Mount Royal won the game 2 to 1. It really could have been more for the Cougars if I'm completely honest in my assessment just because Thompson Rivers got the opening goal in this match, but the goal was scored because two Mount Royal defenders kind of ran into each other and James Frazier ended up getting a wide open breakaway and he shot it into the net wide open. But again, it was more an unlucky error by the Cougars' defense rather than a brilliant play by Thompson Rivers. So that was their goal. Matt Royal ended up striking twice. Danny Domich got two assists in the game. Uh, Mohamed Al-Gandur and Miguel de Rocha scored for Mount Royal to give them the win. There was also seven cards in this game, which might be something to keep an eye on this Saturday. There could be certainly a lot of cautions in this playoff game if things get a little bit heated. Shots were fairly similar. Mount Royal had 10 and TRU had 9. Although, speaking of Frazier though, their goal scorer from that game they had head-to-head, he will not be in this game unfortunately. 
I was doing a little bit of research. Apparently, this was off their website. So Frasier has suffered a rare infection in his back, apparently. It's a blood infection. And I'm quoting their website here. Suspected to have been caused by medical treatment, which infected a joint in the back. And so he won't be able to play this weekend or in the playoffs at all. And obviously, I feel I feel for him. I It sucks to see any kind of injury or illness of any kind. And so I wish him the speediest of recoveries. Without Frazier, it's going to be a little bit harder for them to score goals. He had eight goals in eight matches. Although, Justin Donaldson certainly filled a little bit of that scoring void in their final two games that they had to win to get in. He scored three goals in their last two matches. So he'll be a player that Matt Royal will look to try and neutralize. He actually, Donaldson, did not play the last time that these two met up here in Calgary. So, ultimately, I think for the Cougars, if they remain solid defensively, because they have the best defensive record in the league, and, I mean, they have so many playmakers up front. They had a tremendous home record this season, considering that they won all but one game, and that one game was a draw. I think I give them a pretty good chance. And so we'll see. Obviously, Thompson Rivers, you can never take any opponent lightly. And even though they won earlier this season, that shouldn't be an indicator for what this game might look like. Other than, I think it'll probably be a close game. But it should be fun. And again, it's the first time the program has ever hosted a home playoff match. So please, I encourage everybody to go watch this game. And I highly recommend it. And that's it. That's all I got. The last little tidbit I want to mention. The Canadian elections today. For anyone who has not voted, please go vote. Just please go vote. Do, do a little bit of research. Please go vote because I encourage everybody to just go vote based on your values. And I hate seeing low voter turnout. So please, please go vote. Even, you, even if you feel like your vote's not going to mean anything, still go vote. It's still a way to show representation and to participate in Canada's version of a democracy. So anyway, my final song of the day, Journey and Don't Stop Believing. I want to thank everyone for tuning in today. I'll be back next week. And of course, I'll be recapping the Cougars playoff game. NFL, I'll still have. And I will try to work in some NHL content as well next week. Share the night, it goes on.